Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining me today are Denise Johnson and Laura Kornhauser from Stratify. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you so much for having us. I am so excited. Um, but before we start, because I do want to learn more about your journey and the company and, and all of that, but um, can you tell us, our listeners, a little bit more about Stratify? Um, what do you guys do? Well, Theo, thank you so much for having us. We are just honored to be here speaking with you today. So a little bit more about Stratify. We are focused on a mission of driving greater financial inclusion while also helping financial institutions better manage and mitigate risks. We feel strongly that one does not come without the other and are focused on building technology and solutions that enables uh, both to happen. So to get a bit more granular, how we do that is through a suite of products that we, we've built that are focused on helping lenders say yes to more borrowers without increasing risk. One of those products is focused on credit risk assessment and decisioning. So the underlying risk assessment for potential borrowers, whether those are consumer or small business borrowers, and the decision of whether or not to extend a loan to those given borrowers. And then a product we launched about a year ago, though we've cared about this issue since our founding six years ago, uh, is a product called Unbiased, which is focused squarely on bias detection and mitigation, and in particular, helping lenders automate fair lending risk assessment so they can uncover potential harmful bias in their uh, predictions and decisions and the way they're doing business before it becomes, uh, becomes a problem for them and for their customers. Wow. I, I, I want to make sure I remember this so we can come back to it because AI um, bias and fairness is something that, you know, we talk a lot quite often and there are a lot of, I would say, development, but no more so across the pond in the EU than in the US. So let's come back to that in a second. Um, but I do want to touch on something that has happened fairly recently is that you closed a $10 million round. Um, that is quite a kick-ass accomplishment, especially in this so environment. Um, so many, 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 many congrats. When I saw that, I'm like, yes, it, it's good on so many fronts. I do want to know, tell us a little bit more about that experience, especially you know, given everyone is saying, well, you know, fintech is, is gone, we're done, you know, the funding is declining and all of that negativity and the fact that this is a female founded led fintech, you have two boxes checked. Um, so how did you guys do that? Uh, well, for, first and foremost, thank you so very much. We are uh, incredibly honored and excited uh, about reaching this milestone and the the way we reached it, we're also incredibly proud of. So the investors that we brought on, the partners that we brought on in this round, we couldn't be more thrilled to have them as part of the Stratify family and to have them as our, our backers. And it, it wasn't easy, um, that's for sure, um, both because of the, the market environment, which as you mentioned, is quite, quite challenging right now, and also uh, because... I happen to be a female uh, as a co-founder. We happen to be led by females, which is extraordinarily 
rare in our space. And uh, as as we all know, uh, the the unfortunately the data doesn't lie about uh, what percentage of funding goes to uh, female founded and female led companies, especially in our highly technical space. All of that said, the folks that we brought in on the this round, the investors we brought in on this round. Um, buck that trend uh, are exactly the ones that are focused on uh, changing that narrative and changing the investment landscape, not just for Stratify, but for other other startups, uh, both in fintech and more broadly, because we have both very fintech focused investors and then other investors that are focused more broadly across sectors. And how we were able to accomplish this is by building long-term relationships with those really fantastic investors um, by identifying them, those investors as people that were different than the crowd, thought differently, treated us differently, spoke to us differently. And that was very clear from the initial meetings that we had with those investors. Uh, and, and we recognized that and then we nurtured that uh, and and received that, that same, I would say, respect back from those investors. I have a number of stories I can share about really unbelievable actions that 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 investor group took before they invested in stratify before they had any financial gain from from backing us or or supporting us um and and that's been been really exciting and and uh exciting to watch and that's why we couldn't be more honored to have them as part of our again part of our family you're gonna make me cry if you keep that because it is there are so many days at the end of the day, I'll be like, oh, my God, not again. Yeah. You know, that the stories they keep repeating, and it felt like, have we never learned anything? Why is still, we are in 2023, we still have to double, triple, quadruple prove ourselves and, like, jump through hoops just to get anything done. Um, and and so it is really heartwarming to hear a different perspective, and I, and I wish – this would be the norm so that yeah. we don't have to keep putting it out and say, hey, here is a wonderful example. One yeah. in, I don't know how many <laughs> that yeah. made it. Um, but you know, you know what? If I well, if, if and when, no, not when, if no, yes, I will see the two of you in person. <laughs> we will cheers to that. Um, Love it. Hope there will be many, many, many more of these success stories. Um, and it's to be celebrated. So, I love it. And I, I think if I if I may, I think that we we did have to prove ourselves more than a lot of others. Um, and we did have to show really meaningful milestones in traction with customers, big customers, big contracts that we landed. And uh, because of the stage of this fundraise, it all kinds of lines up really nicely. But when we were in our earlier days before we had those um, points of traction to point to, uh, it, it was it was really challenging, unfortunately. But again, we were we found our people. <laughs> we found the ones that saw what we saw, that saw the vision for the future that we saw, and and uh, knew we were the right company to to and team to go after it. You found your tribe. Yeah, sure did. Sure did. <laughs> That's perfect. Both both with the folks we have inside of Stratify and the, the ones we have, uh, our, our customers, our partners, and our investors that we have supporting us on the out, outside, if you will. 
think that's the perfect place to be. And onwards and upwards. Um, let's talk about, go back to one of the earlier points you talked about is um, AI ethics. So a key component of AI ethics is to be able to explain why a certain decision is made by AI or a machine learning algorithm. You're in the business of credit risk management, of you know being able to decide whether or not this particular party will, will receive um, a lending decision, for example, a positive one. We need to be able to explain it because otherwise there's no way of knowing whether or not that decision was made in a fair manner. And if you do not know the parameters upon which they're made or how, it gets a little bit tricky, um, as some would call it, a black box. So what are some of the key challenges that you think our industry will face in order to get there? Because I would challenge that we are not where we need to be on a broader scope in many fronts. Um, we have work to do. So what are some of the things that we need to overcome? So this is a this is a topic that we uh, squarely address. It's, uh, um, as a company, um, as uh, uh, as individuals, um, and uh, Theo, I had shared with you earlier that um, you know one of the re- reasons how Laura how how we met is actually that question. Um, I was a judge at a, a startup event, and I asked a question uh, from a competing startup. Um, how are you going to be able to explain your uh, trading decisions? And they were using a black box uh, uh, trading um, uh, product. How are you going to explain your decisions to your regulators, to your uh, customers, to, and how are you going to ensure that what you are, what, the machine is doing is what you actually expected it to do. Um, the startup couldn't answer that uh, uh, those questions. Um, in I, in that event, in the um, audience was Laura, and said, "We have something we want to show you." And that's how we met. That was about five and a half years ago, and so. This this uh, the way stra- uh, the Stratify's um, um, approach, uh, proprietary uh, approach of building uh, the models, allows a level of transparency bar none, and that makes it very implementable, very um, easy for non-data scientists to actually see the. Um, what is happening in the machine? Um, and uh, uh, there is a we have a, a slogan on that one. I'm going to turn it over to Laura to say that she does it much better than I do. But it is definitely that being able to deter uh, determine and ex- not just explain, but really transparently show to a human what the machine is doing is crucial for all machine learning um, Mm -hmm. situations, uh, scenarios, especially in a high, highly regulated industries. But having said that, Laura, I will leave it to you to finish that up. (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, I'll, first, I'll first say that transparency or a lack thereof in many other solutions is definitely what brought Denise and I together, which is so wonderful. Uh, and, you know, we, as Denise was saying, it's just paramount for, for there to be visibility into how AI or machine learning systems work in order for people to trust them, especially trust them with decisions that, that really impact people's lives decisions that really matter, um, which which are those decisions that, as Denise mentioned, are often regulated and they're the types of decisions that we're focused on at Stratify. With, without that level, without that visibility, the promise of machine learning will not be realized because, you know, us humans just won't be able to, to trust it, won't be able to rely on it, won't be able to um, uh, use it to do the tasks that, that it could really help with, but only if we're confident in the way it's working. Do you think we'll get to a point where we don't need humans in the loop when it comes to those decisions, or we always need to have a fail safe? Uh, I think we always need humans in the loop. I feel pretty sure about that. Again, for the decisions that really matter, right? The decisions really impact people's lives. And one of the biggest reasons for that is because all all data is biased. All data is biased. All of it. I believe in multiple that. different ways. In multiple different ways, and that's okay, right? That's that's just that that's the way it is. Uh, and it's understanding. You know, I always say it's not a question of of if the data is biased; it's a question of how. Understanding exactly how it's biased is how you can figure out how to fix it or how to address it. That's where the human in the loop comes in. That's where our tagline that Denise was mentioned of where AI meets IQ comes in, right? Is that you have to, to be able to bring that human back in a way that's accessible to the human and ideally accessible to humans with diverse skill sets and diverse backgrounds, but that's a whole nother topic. Uh -huh. But, you know, bring bring that human in to help compensate or adjust for the fact that 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 data that you're training any AI with is going to be biased. Denise, I know you have lots of thoughts on this as well, if you want to add in. I mean, the the fact that um, we're, we're here at this point and st still trying to address, you know, and I'm going to say trying, uh, not us as Stratify, but, you know, as an industry still talking about uh, transparency and explainability and not really jumping in and actually doing it is a, is it, is something that we need to address very quickly. Um, because one of the things that I'm seeing, and that's something that, uh, we had discussed a little bit uh, in another conversation is, you know, we're, we're thinking about um, technology before the people. And that is, uh, AI is something that's going to help people to solve a business problem, to solve a problem, to be able to do it in, a, in the most efficient and the uh, most impactful way you have to understand what it is doing and to laura's point you know bias is always going to be in the data um the fact that our social norms you know what was acceptable a few years ago versus what's acceptable now uh things change but you have to understand how the decisions are being made and that is the crucial 
component, whether you do it with, I mean, if you look at the whole entire decisioning concept, it's always about understanding how you're making the decisions. It becomes incredibly important when you're dealing with AI. I agree with that. And I, I love what you both said about is not a matter of getting rid of bias, it's a matter of understanding how the bias is affecting what you're doing um, so that we can go around and, and figuring out how to how to self-read. That is, that is key. Um, yeah. I do want to ask you, stepping back a little bit, we always hear companies say, oh, you know, we want to leverage more emerging technologies. We want to use more AI. We want to do more of this and that. I, I, I lose track of how many surveys that <laughs> these big consulting companies have come up with that, oh, 80-something percent of C-level executives said they want to use da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, <laughs> we all know that being interested in doing something versus actually being able to adapt the technology incorporate it into what you're doing day to day is very different there's quite a bit of gap um what are we missing how are you how are you how is stratify helping financial institutions and organizations get over that hump i think i'll i'll start in, on on this uh question i think the uh we have to start with the business problem, what business problem we're trying to solve, I think. And then we need to look at the technology as, uh, and any technology as uh, um, something in your tool belt. So that I think one of the challenges that you see in these surveys is they, they go and ask, okay, are you going to implement an AI solution? Not necessarily, how are you solving uh, the bi uh, biasing, uh, biased decisions that you might be making relating to your credit, uh, re re relating to your loan portfolio, for example, or how are you detecting fraud? You know, you're not asking the business question, you're asking the technology question. The, it sh we should always start with what is, what is the problem we're solving and then put the technology on it um, because the technology choice will change if you're doing... Um, you know, if you have a lending practice and you don't understand how you're making the decisions, how you're addressing the bias, how are you removing that bias? Uh, how are you responding to our regulators around that versus um, I just, I want to do everything a little faster and, you know, it could, it could be like a manufacturing situation. You know, it's, it's different. On, on our end, uh, our implementations are, first of all, our because our um, technology is all about transparency. We show, we show our uh, what they can get versus what they are doing and what they can get. We build the trust, and we uh, implement uh, with with a very quick. Um, I mean, our implementations are very quick uh, because with within their security framework within their financial institution security framework because we're all uh, uh, coming from the financial services, all of us. So we're quite familiar with the challenges of what financial institutions are have to operate 
uh, the limits uh, that they have to operate in. So uh, that familiarity allows us to really come in and just, you know, first of all, we're transparent and we're not, don't believe us, let us show you. And then second, we've done this before. Let's just, let's do it again. Laura, anything you'd like to add? You said it very well, Denise. Uh, I think I think you covered it beautifully. The only thing I'd add is is just to double click on that last point of, um, you know, we do not operate in a run fast and break things type of environment. It couldn't be any further from from our ethos and the way we need to partner with our customers. And you know, we we take that uh, that responsibility extraordinarily seriously. At our company, um, and I, I think we we really over-index versus other uh, startups or emerging companies of our size to to that piece based on the experience that that Denise was referencing that everybody on the team has, and that has delivered for our customers. That has enabled us to be the partner that you know fulfills and goes beyond everything we say we're going to do. Um, and if Denise and I had a nickel for every time that has almost shocked and awed in the best way possible our customers and partners we'd have a lot of those nickels um so that that's something we're just extraordinarily committed to um that's stratified i i like that every time when someone say we like to move fast and break things. It scares me, especially when it comes to money. It, money, everything that you do around money has to be, there has to be guardrail because this is not, you know, like, oops, I recommended a wrong book or oops, yeah. I sent you a wrong dress. This is, this is, this is, big deal and there's a reason why the industry is regulated there's a reason why people trust certain institutions more than the other is they have to trust that you're not going to monkey around with what they have um that they can they can rely on you um it's their livelihood so so thank thank you thank you for saying that with power comes responsibility um, absolutely you have great absolutely and, and trust takes a lifetime to build in a moment to to destroy exactly right? absolutely that, that is so true that is very very true i'm i know those who are listening cannot see me but i'm like nodding my head my neck is hurting but i i just cannot agree more um so on to that friend let's talk about regulations a little bit because recently four not one four federal u.s agencies including the cfpb department of justice the eeoc and the ftc they all issued a warning that said hey, we already have the authority to tackle harms that are caused by AI bias. Watch it. Now, we understand the urgency because there's a little bit wild, wild west out there in the US, especially given how fast the technology is changing, especially given how fast, I would say certain big companies are releasing things with disclaimer that, hey, this is not ready. Well, guess what? It's already out in the wild, wild west. Um, and all of this technology can impact many different aspects of consumer lives. I am curious to hear your thoughts. I don't need a crystal ball because it's really hard to predict, um, especially on this front. But what, what your thoughts are on what will happen next, especially given we have seen what the EU 
has proposed mm -hmm. and are moving towards recently. Um, what's going to happen in the U.S.? We there's no question that we are moving towards an environment or are already in the environment where regulators are going to require a greater level of control and visibility into how AI or machine learning based solutions are being utilized, especially again, when they're being utilized to help inform or in some cases make completely decisions that have an impact on people's lives. Uh, you know, again, we're focused on the who gets a loan, who doesn't. That has an extraordinarily large impact on an individual's future, a small business's future. Um, the, those impacts compound over time. If you're not given access to a, a fairly priced loan and, and you have to go to a predatory alternative, that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy where you get buried under a mountain of debt because of high APRs or punitive fees that you can never get under. And it's not, you, you then end up in a situation where, you know, you, you can't get, you again, can't get access to any credit because you've been put under, basically under a rock um, because of that first experience where, where you weren't given what you deserved and given what you as a borrower would, had every intent and ability to repay. So, um, there's no question that this technology, i.e. AI machine learning technology is here to stay. There's no question that there is a lot of value that it can add to companies and to individuals. And there are a lot of processes that it can make more efficient, more streamlined, better across a variety of ways. Um, but all of that needs to be done with proper control and oversight. And, and the regulators have, have been extraordinarily clear about their intent to um, you know, leverage the power they have via investigations, via fines, et cetera, to, to ensure that the companies are deploying this, this technology responsibly. So what does that mean, nuts and bolts? You, you have to have a way to, in our world, you're putting them, let's say you're putting a model out there uh, to, to decide on who you're going to lend to and who you're not. You have to test that model for fair lending risks, so, so for fairness across a number of different metrics, not just when you're deploying the model, but once that model's in production. Because as I also always say, bias is not a set it and forget it issue. So just because, you know, when you initially deployed the model, it wasn't driving bias outcomes doesn't mean it might not be in the future. And it's not okay. It's not good enough to test that on a year basis or every 18 months or every, as unfortunately sometimes happens, couple of years. Needs to be tested more frequently, more proactively, so that you can find issues, find concerns before they become problems, before your, your customers are, are uh, treated unfairly, before your company's name ends up in the headlines. Oh, the headlines. <laughs> Ooh, the headlines. They're coming. They are they are here and they are coming. They are coming even stronger. Okay. So it's gonna be an interesting space to watch, but hopefully this is for the best because we all know that we need responsibility. This is interesting. Responsibility, transparency, all of this should have been inherent in what we do. Um Absolutely. there's no doubt about that. So more to come on that front. 
Before we close, I do want to ask both of you, um, what are some of the use cases that you wish we would pay more attention to when it comes to adopting AI-driven decision-making? Because it's, again, it's easy to say, oh, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I feel like a lot of the talk either is hype, there's no, you know, details in exactly what they want to do. Um, it's more like, me too, I want to do it. But B, more so is a lot of this is, is driven um, for the bottom line. And not so much so with thoughts and intention of actually using the technology to do something good for a wider demographics of people. So what are your thoughts on that? I'll start here. There's a question that AI making more specifically machine learning driven decisions has the power to drive greater inclusion within credit, within lending, has the opportunity to uh, uh, expand access to fairly priced credit to a wider group of people. There's absolutely no doubt there. And, and to enable more precise, more accurate risk predictions of individuals and small businesses than is done by one indicator, like a credit score. Like there is no, there is no question that there is a huge opportunity there. Um, I think that there is, there is, well, there's law, so there should be attention to bias in this issue. But again, I think that um, there there is there are a lot of institutions are focused on checking the box as it relates to fair lending and and doing the bare minimum. And we would really like to see that increase, and like to see more institutions recognize that it's not just the right thing to do; it's also good business because they get to find new customers that are actually great customers. And then I also think that marketing needs more attention. I think that there's a lot of AI being used in marketing algorithms and who gets what offers, who gets invited to come in the door, not just for financial products, but for other products. And there's a tremendous level of bias that's creeping into the system from those algorithms. You're definitely segmenting the uh, yeah. population targeting certain groups and not targeting others. So you don't have a leveling field, not only that, but you're encouraging that segmentation Yep. Uh, with these biased uh, decisions uh, on marketing. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is food for thought. Um, that's not something that I don't think people typically talk about, but that's, that's good. See, that's why again, for the, <laughs> Ampiest time. We need more perspectives, and more perspectives come from a wider demographics of people, of amazing builders and creators and entrepreneurs, and we can make the world better. Check. Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we can. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Laura and Denise, for joining us on the show today. I can keep doing this again and again and again. My next milestone will be hopefully to meet you both in person, so we can continue the conversation. So thank you so much both for joining us for and um, for a wonderful chat today and for our audience. Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of One Vision. We'll talk to you all next week.